0: What's going on guys, is Cole with the Queen City Soccer Show. Today's episode, another United States Men's National Team episode with Vince from at USMNT thoughts on Twitter, give him a follow, he is great for all your United States Men's National Team coverage, he does a fantastic job and we really appreciate him coming on the show. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, that's pretty much all this episode is going to be about, is breaking down... The 5-1 win against Panama and kind of looking forward to Wednesday night against Costa Rica. All right, hope you guys enjoy. Let's get it. All right, guys, welcome into the Queen City Soccer Show. I'm your host, Cole Godfrey. I'm joined again today by Vince from at USMNT Thoughts. How you doing, Vince?
1: Pretty good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, We're both in a joyous mood. Uh, we we come in here, we're we're happy. We're we're the United States men's national team did not make us want to jump off of a, a cliff last night. They, <laughs> they did what they should have done. They went out and they took care of business, five to one, to get uh, three points against Panama. And yeah, they'll they'll end this World Cup qualifying cycle Wednesday against Costa Rica, and still have it clinched. Yeah,
1: I I'd say that I'm joyous and I am calm. Not yet celebratory. Um, I'll do that on Wednesday night.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, because I mean, I was a couple uh, funny things on Twitter. I was talking to a guy, and I said the same thing. I was like, "Man, you know, realistically, we have to get what B- by what five goals? Is that what it is?
1: Six, actually. Yeah. Six yeah so, and you know, and it, it,
0: we we all know that the chances of that are astronomically low. Um, yeah. But we still, man. It's it's back there in the back of your brain. It's back like, there. Still yeah. a chance. And I. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> after after Cuba, we all basically. I just think it's just the general fan sentiment that it's like. Look, if it's mathematically possible, I'm not celebrating until the final whistle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I've learned over my years of sports fandom, regardless of the sport. That's that's the best attitude to go in. I'm I'm, I'm a University of South Carolina football. Uh, Fan and everything, I've been a Gamecock Club member my whole life, and I've been and been in those stands when they were zero and twenty-one two years in a row, mm-hmm. and uh, but so you just learn, you learn to embrace. All right, yeah, they're, they're waiting for the other shoe to drop, um, and it's, yes. it's kind of been the same way with the USA. I mean, definitely these past uh, maybe I I'd I'd probably be six years, five six years. It's been uh, yeah. it's been like that, but yeah. So uh, just kind of diving into the game, um, I wanted to get your thoughts, uh, Luca Delatorre. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and the, and like I've, I was watching the game on my phone. Unfortunately, I was at the fire department, but, uh, from what I did watch and the highlights that I went back and watch to me, honestly, <clears throat> I, he didn't get on the score sheet, but how important of a game did he have and how important is, is how do you think this was a next step kind of performance to, to kind of propel him into the world cup?
1: I think so. Um. You know, he was extremely calm on the ball. He's a very able, progressive passer, which is something that we really need at times in the midfield, um, specifically with some of our backup options. They're not not, not really adept um, distributors at all times. Like, I think I think that's not to say anything negative about, about Kellen Acosta. He's a very good player, um, but I don't think it's a particular strong suit of his um, in terms of distribution. So Luca De La Torre stood apart in that specific area, and that was great to see, just to see, know that we have somebody on the bench that's able to kind of play that type of role when we are expected to be in possession a lot, who can kind of, I think, can break down a low block, which is something that we haven't really seen consistently at um, with the USMNT, and we, we didn't really get a chance necessarily to see it with Panama because we were, we were up so early um, that basically Panama ended up, I think, winning the possession battle overall, Um, So it wasn't like we had to break down a low block there, but I am interested. It's been, it's been a noted failure for the USMNT over the past three or four years. Well, really ever that we haven't been great at breaking down um, a low block. I think Luca De La Torre could be the answer to that with, with the way that he's calm on the ball, he's able to distribute and he, he kind of cycles the ball faster than some of our other options. Um, You mentioned he didn't get a goal. That's not really his game. He's much more of like that kind of possession. Passer of the ball in midfield. So um I don't think you should expect him to get a ton of goals or anything like that, but but he the way that he kind of sets up Polisic, that's really what he did well last night.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, these numbers right here kind of speak for themselves on what you're talking about. Uh, they Panama had possession on you 61% to 39%. Um, but five shots on target. Five shots on target, you win five one. Uh yeah. so, I mean it's you know, so the the how clinical they were you see the difference in the, the just in in the box of versus the Mexico game just how clinical they were and and compared to the Mexico game and uh yeah man they they kind of dominated from start to finish
1: yeah for sure I I never it, that was what that was exactly the performance I was looking at for my nerves yeah, for <laughs> like sure. I I never felt like the result was in doubt. The only thing that was in doubt was how much can we stat pad here um, to make Costa Rica's task that much more difficult. You basically kind of need to win both games in that one game. And we accomplished that. If we had only won one or two, nothing, we go into Costa Rica needing to get something out of the game. Like don't lose two or three, nothing, which is plausible going in and um, them needing to win six, nothing, completely implausible and we'll talk about it in a second, but probably sets up what Costa Rica is actually going to do strategically.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, there's nothing really more to add to that. I'm not, uh, a couple other guys, I want to kind of get your opinion on their performance. Um, how did, uh, how did Musa look? I mean, cause like I said, I didn't get to watch a ton of the game.
1: Yeah, it wasn't his it wasn't his strongest game. He he was coming off of obviously a, a very difficult 90 minutes in, at the Azteca. Um, so it's it, it's not particularly surprising that it wasn't his best, best performance. Um, but he's a terrific young player and that shouldn't really say anything else about him other than the fact that he grinded, he he, he worked really hard. Um, you could see some of his defensive skills kind of come up to play, broke up some plays. Um, the other midfielder that really deserves plaudits is Tyler Adams. He was breaking up a lot um, in transition. Panama never really got very good opportunities with their possession because Tyler Adams was there to kind of snuff out all the plays. So um, that, that's really the midfield dynamic between, between Tyler and and Luca. Those two were really great.
0: I got you. Yeah, I mean Tyler's he was good in Mexico. He, I think he played a good yeah. had a good game in Mexico. Um and I think Musa did too. I mean, like you said, I think he was spent. Um just, you know, he was spent at the end of the Mexico game. But he just you know, worked somewhere. so hard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh but yeah, and then obviously Captain America. Um, Christian Polisic <laughs> himself, he you know, he comes away with a, a World Cup qualifying hat trick. Uh two from the spot, uh one uh, beautiful goal that'll be on highlight reels for the United States men's national team for years to come. Uh, you know, what did Pulisic do last night? Well, that he did not particularly do well in the Mexican game.
1: Well, I mean, he finished his chances, um, but two of them were penalties. One of them, as you said, was a, was a terrific goal, but that was as, as the confidence was flying after the two goals and the pressure was off. Um, So I don't think he necessarily was poor against Mexico. He just wasn't in the position that he needs to be as consistently as we would like it to be. And the reason for that actually starts in midfield, right? Like when I'm talking about how what Luka did to set up Pulisic, this is exactly what I mean. When Acosta is the left-sided midfielder. it's, it's nothing against Kellen. It's more of like, that's just not really his game. He's more of a defensive worker. Um, And he, and that was what we needed against Mexico, but he's not going to give you all that creativity to open up the play and let Pulisic just kind of play around the box and get one-on-one with a defender, say on like the corner of the box from the left, where Pulisic can kind of cut on, cut in on his right, um, which is what you see a lot of him at Chelsea when he's actually playing in his favorite yeah. position. Um, but uh, in this game specifically, because Luca's that more apt distributor and Pulisic knows that and he's comfortable with him, he was able to stay higher um, and really kind of play that final third role that he's best at versus kind of coming deep and trying to help with with uh, the ball distribution from midfield, which in my opinion is really just not where he should be. Um, especially at Conca, he's just going to get chopped down and he's going to risk injury more and more. Um, I'd rather just have him in and around the box. So that's that was the difference in this game. Is just the where he was picking up the ball, the spots that he was able to get it. The other major, not difference, but. What it was nice to see was just his mentality. Um, you know, he was he was really fighting for everything. He was mixing it up with with Panama, maybe a little bit too much. Even picks up a yellow card. Um, not that it matters at this point. He didn't have a yellow before, so it's not like he's suspended for the Costa Rica game. If he picks up a yellow in Costa Rica, there's not another game. It doesn't carry over the World Cup finals. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I mean that's what I was kind of getting at was to see if, you know, maybe if Luca being in there, if that was kind of the bigger difference, you know, 100%.
1: Yeah. 100%. That was the biggest difference is when you have a midfielder that's able to distribute the ball that way. Um, it allows your attackers to stay higher. and, And that's exactly what happened. Yeah.
0: Um, Jesus Ferrer getting the start, uh, he bags a goal. Um, I mean, a strikers goal. I mean, any strikers dream finish, uh, Other than P. Fox, but Paul Ariola gets a goal uh as well. Um, Paul Ariola's man, he's looked good in this cycle. I mean, in in a whole, this World Cup qualifying cycle, man, he's looked phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He I'm happy for him. A lot of folks have been critical of his inclusion on rosters. Um, I'll count myself among them. I think that we've got better wingers at this point. Um, you know. His his saving grace is that none of those wingers seem to be healthy at the same time, <laughs> so it does, it's it's like he's probably unrealistic, and I, I honestly think that that Burhalter thinks this too. He's probably fourth, fifth, or sixth, just depending. Or actually, sorry, fifth, sixth, or seventh, depending um, on 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 the winger depth chart, just depending on on what the. However, you kind of rotate Polisic, Reyna, Weah, and Aronson. I think that Burhalter thinks all four of those guys are ahead of Ariola.
0: Um,
1: the problem is, it's one of them's always injured, yeah. and he's able to bring in a fifth winger because there's expanded roster sizes. So I think that his fifth winger would actually be Jordan Morris, but Jordan Morris was hurt until recently, so Ariola kind of keeps getting this this. <laughs> you know, kind of fringe call up and he's taking advantage of it. So, so credit to him. He did well last night, finished his opportunity. He's like five, six and scored off a header. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, may, maybe the guy's playing the wrong sport. Maybe he should be playing <laughs> basketball, but um yeah, no credit to him. He's he, I'm, I'm glad that he shut me up for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he. And like I said, that's just my opinion. I mean, just from the, the games that I've watched and that he has played in, I mean, he's like you said, he's taking advantage of his chances that he's got. Um, yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, we'll kind of put a bow on on last night. So your great halter put on or look into the crystal ball. Who sits? Does Pulisic sit? Does uh, I mean who, who sits and who plays? Because it's it's kind of a conundrum, and you're going to get flack from either way. So,
1: so this is one of the things that I want to talk about because. Because we stat padded, now Costa Rica needs to score six or beat us by six goals, not just score six goals. They need to beat us by six goals. If they did beat us um, by less than six goals, let's say they beat us by five, that would tie us on goal difference. They would need to score 10 goals to, uh, to, to, to break the second score line, which is goals scored. So the, the score line would have to be like 10-5 in order for them to beat us on the second, the second um, tiebreaker. Yeah. So the fact that they have to rely on beating us by six with under 10 goals um, yeah. makes it completely implausible. Yeah. Why am I saying that? Because Costa Rica currently has like nine players that are on yellow cards. And yellow card accumulation does actually carry over into the intercontinental playoff which is a stupid rule, but it's a rule nonetheless. So if Costa Rica knows that they're going to have to play this playoff, they can't really risk any of of these nine guys um, picking up a second yellow and being unavailable for the Intercontinental Playoff this summer. So it actually might play in our favor in the fact that Costa Rica might sit several, if not all, of those nine guys. um, And we might be playing a Costa Rica B team down in San Jose um, on Wednesday. So if that's the case, then I think you can afford to rotate and just you know take some guys or at least take some guys off at halftime and keep their legs fresh for their club seasons. Um, but with that said, I already think Greg said this, and I agree with him. I'd play to win. Um, so I would play my first choice lineup unless I had some communication with the Costa Rica camp and they said, look, we're taking our foot off the pedal here. Um, and, and, you know, allowed us to kind of rotate a little bit and rest guys up for their club seasons.
0: Yeah. I, it, like I said a second ago, it's kind of like a, a catch 22. Um, but I mean, you would think, like you said, with not, not, you're playing on nine yellow cards. I mean, I, I do agree with you that, that the rule of that carrying over is, is harsh. Um, yeah. I mean, and, you're but, talking about
1: two yellow cards across 15 games, yeah, man. That's, that's, that's so harsh.
0: That's ridiculous. And, and I mean it unfortunately it is the rule. So
1: yeah. You know. And for and for people to have the context, that's half of a club season. And that club season it's five yellow cards is a suspension. Yeah. So like that's crazy. Like two yellow cards and and a suspension is nuts.
0: Yeah. Um, so obviously I am a Charlotte FC podcast. Um, I don't know. Have you watched much of Charlotte?
1: I've watched all of Charlotte's games this year.
0: Okay. Um, so I got, a this past weekend, I got a couple of questions that I was like, because people listen to pod and they, were, they knew you were coming on, um, Ben Bender, <laughs> obviously yeah. it's very, very early in the young man's career. Um, he just graduated from college at Maryland, but you know, so thus far he has looked, you know, he may, he, he's up in the air for maybe the most valuable player on the team thus far this season. Um, he's yeah, really, really good. electric, uh, how far out, if he continues up this pace, is he from, you know, maybe playing for a friendly, playing, you know?
1: So this is where it's interesting. Like, if we had been on a normal World Cup qualifying cycle um, without the pandemic, and and when I say normal, like the World Cup is in the summertime, yeah. qualification would be over. Yeah. Um and we would have gone into the january camp knowing that we would have been qualified for the world cup kind of moving forward and he's kind of that perfect type of player that gets his first call up based upon mls form in january camp and says like okay let's just let's kick the tires on this guy and see what he's doing see if he can carry over some of that form um unfortunately for him the next january camp is after the world cup so I think that that's probably what he should be targeting. He, he needs to kind of continue this run of form, have a really good season in MLS, keep doing what he's doing. He's doing all the right things. Um, and then I think he probably would get a January call after the World Cup is over. Um, for this current cycle, it's going to be extremely difficult for him to break into this group, especially with, with the way that they've played um, and just how deep this team is. They're, they're really, really deep. So it it's going to be a challenge not saying it's impossible. Dude's 21 years old and a young 21. It looks like he just turned 21 in March. So um he's got a long way to go. He just needs to keep doing what he's doing and and he'll get he'll get a look at some point.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's why I was telling myself, like, let's just pump the brakes, you know, it, it's a little yeah. early, but you know, it when you start performing the way he has performed as young as he is, people just kind of, you know how it is, man. People, they, <clears throat> they set those expectations really, really high for the guy, but. Um, well, let's yeah.
1: put it, let's put it this way in the context, like Georgie, his, his probably ceiling for this season is Georgie Mihailovic production last year, right? Like Georgie Mihailovic had like 15 or 16 assists, I think. Yeah. I think um, exactly. yeah. So, so, so like, like if his ceiling is Georgie Mihailovic level of, uh, of production, and Georgie Mihailovic is not on this team right yeah. now and can't sniff an opportunity. Um, that's really what you're looking at. I on record thinking that Georgie should get looks um, specifically over like legit wasn't called into this window with this window, but I've called for Georgie over legit. Um, and so, so if Georgie's not getting a look, I, it's going to be hard pressed to, to find another guy um, to kind of enter the fray at this point. But it's not impossible. It is going to be interesting to see how Greg rotates over the summer. Like, I don't know if he's going to give some of his, his A squad um, some rest instead of bringing them to Nations League this summer. That's sim- simply a possibility. So there might be an opportunity for him there. Otherwise, he'd be looking at January camp of next year.
0: Yeah, I, I'd agree 100%. Um, well, yeah, man, uh, Vince, I appreciate you coming back on. Um, yeah, we go, do- go down uh, to Costa Rica Wednesday. And after that, we'll get you back on, get you – hopefully we'll be sitting here talking about being qualified for the World Cup and we can kind of take a deep breath and just look forward to – unfortunately it's this winter, but um, still got a while while to wait. But, uh, yeah, I want to get get you back on and we really appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll pop some champagne bottles hopefully on on Wednesday night.
0: For sure. For Vince, I'm Cole. We'll see you all later.